So, you know, over the past several, over the past year especially, Cole and I have been talking a lot about, like, what, what is the Lord stirring up within our community? Like, the conversations that we're having with you guys, that we're having with one another, even a lot of things that we're seeing on the national and international platform, what is God doing in this time? And how do we give that a name um, and really kind of put it up to the forefront so it sits on top of who we are and kind of takes us into some new territory. So this is kind of the phrase uh, that we came to over the past month. And so we want to just break it down a little bit and talk about each of these elements. Um, first of all, loving community. Which, and by saying break it down, he means we're going to wrap the rest of this yeah. portion of the message. So are you Yeah, ready? speaking of high energy. <laughs> I don't know about no? that. Okay. I used to... I had a rap group in in college. Oh, most I'm of you probably find didn't that know that. CD. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we want to talk about first of all loving community. Uh, we want to talk about how what loving community sets us up for, and then talk about what bold exploration actually is. Um, so first of all, loving community. Uh, loving community shifts our foundation to relationship with God and with one another. Okay, so loving community shifts our foundation of relationship. We've talked about it already a lot in our community, and we just really wanted to articulate it that, you know, so often in the Christian journey, we, we try to place our foundation in things other than relationship. We've talked a lot, you know, in this, in this recent series called Form, about taking the shape of Jesus, um, how so often we look for certainty and we look for these, these boundaries that can kind of hold us in, but, in, but inevitably we're putting our confidence and our trust in the wrong place uh, because we're looking for a set of rules. We're looking for a set of expectations, and that's, trying to, that's where we're putting um, our confidence and our security in all of these things. But we recognize as Christians um, that we first and foremost put that in, in the God who's not only with us but is also for us. And the God um, demonstrated in Jesus as Emmanuel that walks through our stories with us. And so a lot of what we want to do um, in, this, in this kind of new season is really hone in on, like, where is the starting point in our Christian faith? Where do we root ourselves? And I think for many of us, there's going to be some areas that we need to, to uproot where we falsely laid our security and our safety and even our comfort. Um, but it's not to do away with those things, not to say necessarily that no longer are we safe, no longer are we secure, no longer are we comforted. Um, but within the kingdom of God, uh, those, those words have all new meaning when they're reoriented um, to fellowship with God and to one another. So it's imperative that we really learn how to be um, a loving community. How do we allow that to be the platform upon which we build everything else, our devotion to one another? I'm just thinking of some practicals of that as you're talking about it. It's great. Um, and, and in that same vein, this concept of a community of love and in, in starting on the foundation of relationship, um, moving from a place where we're not making reactionary decisions out of fear, but we're living in a place of love that connects us with God and connects us with other people. And we are responding from a place of love, like Garrett talked about last week. We're responding from a place of love instead of reacting from a place of fear. And as we've talked about this, like this concept of community of love for bold exploration, we recognize that like stepping out into the unknown and embracing the, the parts of God that we've yet to understand about who he is and that he wants to reveal to us about who he is, that can be a frightening place. And that's why it's essential for us to not exist in a place of fear, but for us to exist in the unconditional love of God and to exhibit that and embody that for one another. And I think about it even in like, even the smallest and practical ways. Like when we, 
walk into the front door, like the people who are standing at the door and the people who are serving coffee and the, the smiles of the person who's helping you make a button there, like all of those things come to mean so much more as we understand them as expressions of the love of God as we exist together in a place that is kind of pushing us beyond our, our known comfort zone and into the places that God wants to take us next. And so this concept of a community of love is to say, here we are together, and we are an embodiment of moving from a foundation of fear and making decisions that are reactionary because of fear to a place of proactive uh, life and love. So we're going to be talking a lot about um, the writings of, of John from Scripture uh, in this new series, and I'll be talking about that more next week, but I just thought this was so kind of appropriate for what we're trying to get at. In 1 John four sixteen, he says this, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but for perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not just made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And so that's really the foundation that we want to really invest in with our community. So we kind of move from this idea of loving community, and then we move to the word for. And, and I really love the word for. Uh, what is that in... Oh, it's, a, it's a... Preposition. Preposition. I don't know. A, a placeless preposition. We all paid attention in English class. Yeah. Um, but, you know, several, several months ago, um, our elder Landon actually gave this message on faith um, and talked about how, the way in which we hold our faith. And he gave us these two images. Is your faith a bunker or a springboard? And if you remember that, we were talking about, you know, your faith can be a bunker that you actually erect this wall around you to protect yourself from the world. And you can use your faith to protect, protect yourself from the unknown. And you close yourself in. But what happens so often in that place when we use our faith just to protect ourselves from the, the unknown and the, and the scary things that are surrounding us um, is that we actually get cut off from God and we get cut off from one another. Now, if we choose to see our faith as this springboard, this kind of, it's still a foundation, but it's a foundation that actually launches us into the new territory, that's what really gives us the confidence um, to, to move into these uncharted places and to move into these new concepts um, and even to explore concepts that we've already been familiar with on a, on a far deeper level than we ever imagined. Um, but it all comes out of that place of loving community. And uh, in just a little bit, we're going to sing Called Me Higher, and it's a song that probably most of us know. And one of the lines in it that I think a lot of times maybe even trips us up because it's like a surprise, I guess. Um, the last line of the second verse is, I could be safe I could be safe here in your arms. And we take that picture, um, you know, in, in other songs and other contexts of like, yeah, the loving arms of God, yes, I could be safe. I could be safe here in your arms. And then like the next part of the lyric is, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down. And it kind of embodies this idea of like, yes, like being embraced in the loving arms of God is so good. But are we going to allow that to become something that um, becomes a, a religious block to the ongoing revelation of God in our lives, where we, where, we, where we allow the comfort of being still to prevent us from being people who are experiencing a growing and increasing love and understanding of God?
So as we even sing that song in a little bit, let's think about this idea of, yes, like the love of God, his loving embrace, being safe in his arms is so wonderful. But there's also this part where as we mature, just like with any child maturing into adolescence and adulthood, there's a time to begin taking steps that may feel uncomfortable in this concept and area of exploration. And so that final bit, bold exploration, you know, like Cole's saying, a lot of times that can be the, the bit that kind of gives us some, some apprehension. But um, this is one thing that I found so key for us understanding what it means for us to be explorers. Honest pursuit of truth means that we will be transformed, um, that we're going to be taken into the known, that we're going to change. Uh, and I think that we live in this, this era where a lot of the modern church is really beginning to do some very deep self-examination of who exactly are we called to be in this day and this time. And we've talked a lot about that in our community, and that's something that we want to continue to, ch to, to, to champion. And I think what I, what I really see is, is when we have this trajectory of like an honest pursuit of truth, that we want to know God more, that we want to know one another more, we want to discover our purpose, that kind of gives this direction for our exploration. And I think that that leads out of this curiosity that comes when, you, you know, when we read in Scripture, like, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, once we've kind of gotten a taste of it, we want more, um, but it gives us this kind of direction in it. And so there's this kind of really good curiosity in our faith that acknowledges, I'm, I'm going to grow, and I want to grow, and I want to know more. And, and I want us to remember to steer away from cynicism. I think sometimes we talk about exploration in the context of faith. We think that that means that we're going to inherit um, this way of questioning things uh, that becomes very cynical. But here's the thing about cynicism. Uh, cynicism at its core is me saying, I actually refuse to change. Like I'm going to tear the thing apart and I'm going to question it and challenge it uh, so that I don't have to actually confront it or change. And so we're not advocating for a spirit of cynicism at all, but we're saying, no, we have this direction, we have this call of where we want to go, and as long as that is honest and we keep our eyes set on Jesus, the new territories that he's going to bring us into and the new depths in the territories that we've already explored can only be beautiful. Yeah, and I think when we talk about this concept of exploration, like it really is the holistic nature of what it means to have a life that's growing in God. And I have like several moments in my life where I think about this idea of exploring the depths of who he is, um, you know, throughout kind of my, my time growing up and, and throughout my life. Um, what I remember is d directly related to kind of the, the mystical, spiritual side of relationship with God as we're engaging with the Holy Spirit. Um, I for probably the last year and a half of high school, every Sunday night got together with some friends and we just had this time of worship and prayer and it was really, really wonderful and we were experiencing God in some really powerful ways. And I remember going to the youth pastor at our church at that time and saying, hey, like here's some of the stuff that we're experiencing. I'd like to know more about like how the Holy Spirit moves and what that means. And like I, re I remember it even vividly. We were standing in the lobby of our, our student building and he looked at me and he goes, no, 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 we don't, that's not part of what we do. Like that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. And like he had very clear lines of what it even meant to explore the depths of relationship with God through the part of the Trinity of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and it was just this moment where it was like, instead of asking questions, instead of helping me journey through this thing, it was the first response to just kind of shut down that piece of 
of exploration to, into the depths of God. And um, like there, are, there have been moments like that where it's been very much like I'm exploring who the Holy Spirit is and how God is moving and speaking today. And then there's been other moments that are a, a little less mystical and more practical. Our small group recently uh, went through a book where we you know, explored and talked about some of the Old Testament and what it means and wrestled with some really difficult questions and what was God saying and what wasn't God saying and what does it mean for us? And it was, it was very kind of cerebral and it was this mental pursuit of greater and deeper understanding. And in the same way, it was the same kind of exploration. And that's the beauty, I think, of this phrase that we are in loving community uh, for bold exploration means that God is doing something unique in every single one of us. And he's calling us to explore and he's revealing things to us in different ways and it's beneficial for us to recognize and embrace how those journeys exist alongside of one another. And so we explore collectively as a community as God does things in and through us as a group of people. But each of us also is, in, on, is, is on our own journey of exploring the depths of God and life and relationship with Him, relationship with others, and, and probably an unlimited number of things. And so what does it look like for us to be a loving community that's a foundation or platform for that exploration? And I think that's so much at the core of what we see the journey through, through Scripture, through, through God's people Israel, and then for us as the church, that Israel itself means to wrestle with God, that faith is about participation, and it's choosing to trust God, but it's choosing to follow Him wherever He might take us. And we want to be a church that's curious and that's willing to wrestle with these very hard uh, ideas and concepts, but again, kind of buoyed by that sense of love and community. And this is so much of how Jesus taught. You know, it, it just seems, it's so obvious sometimes in front of us that we forget it, that Jesus responded to questions with questions. And he would tell these stories that weren't there to give a succinct answer, but were actually kind of getting people to start thinking in the right way. And, the, and so Jesus led his disciples and those who would listen to him deeper into exploration because he's continuing to shake up things as much as he was giving them um, confidence in others. And that's the kind of community that we want to be. We want to echo the path of Jesus. And we want to be discipled by him where he's continually inviting us deeper and he's inviting us into new territory. I think this idea of loving community for bold exploration is the ministry of Jesus. Like, we love when Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you, but it's, I think, much harder, and we talk far less about when Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. And because of that, because of our tendency or our desire to want to be safe and to be here in his arms, like, we love, I'll never leave you or forsake you, but the life after Jesus is a complicated life. The life after Jesus is at times a difficult life. And Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble. And I think instead of us trying to build the fort around our lives that makes it a barracks for kind of what's safe, it does become that springboard as we step into greater depths of, of discovering God. And so we embrace both halves of those concepts of Jesus. Yes, he's never going to leave us or forsake us. But let us not for a second pretend that life in Jesus is easier than life without him. In fact, in many ways, life in Jesus makes life 
more complicated as we're having to confront pieces of our own character that he wants to refine in us, as he wants to lop off pieces of who we are so that we could be pruned to grow into the people that he's, become, that he's asking us to become. Life in Jesus is in many ways more difficult than life without him. But, you know, in, in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, they say of Aslan, he, it's, he's not easy, but he's good. And that's what we believe, I think, about Jesus, about life and God, is that it's not always easy, but it's good. And that's a mystery, right? Because sometimes we think that life is better when it's easier. But I think as we engage with God, we discover a new depth of what makes life beautiful as he refines us and he helps us become who it is that he's uh, dreaming for us to become. So, uh, loving community for bold exploration. That's going to be our vision for this next foreseeable season. Um, and, and what that means, even in the short term, is that we're going to do at least three series, just kind of breaking that apart. We're going to, um, starting next week, we're going to be using the Gospel of John um, to really examine what does it mean to love and what does it mean to be the beloved, that God's search for us and our search for him. And as a community, we're going to walk through the entire Gospel of John all the way up to Easter. So each Sunday, we're going to be reflecting on one specific part of Jesus' story. Um, but as a community during the week, I want to encourage us all to be reading John and really immersing ourselves in, in God's story there. Uh, and then we're going to, after that, we're going to talk about, okay, now what does it mean for us to be the loving community, to be the community that is beloved by God? Uh, and then from there, who knows? We'll see where the Lord takes us. But um, we're, we're really excited about seeing um, what kind of comes out of this, like a deeper devotion to God, a deeper devotion to one another, new territory, deeper territory, um, and it's going to be good. So we're going we're gonna to pause here for a moment and just and reflect on, um, on this vision. And, I, and we wanted to ask you guys two questions, and in a moment we're going we're gonna to worship, um, and we've got these two boards on either side. And the first question is this, what makes you feel loved? What makes you feel loved? What makes you feel safe? Um, so we're going to just take a moment and reflect. And then uh, when we step into worship, I want to invite you to come up here and, and write it onto this, um, this panel. And the second question is this. What are you exploring? Like right now in your life, what are, the, what are the things that you feel God's calling you into in a deeper place? Or what are the questions that you have? And, and maybe it's that, that, that deeper understanding of a, a current concept. Maybe it's a whole new thing for you. But what are you already exploring? Um, so let's all stand up. And I'm going to pray. And as we're worshiping this next song, I want you guys to come up and just kind of write out those things. What, do you, you know, what does it take for you to feel loved and safe? And what are things that you're currently exploring? And let's just see if the Holy Spirit kind of illuminates some connections between those two things. Um, so Heavenly Father, I thank you for your sweet children that are here this morning. I pray blessing on each and every life here, Father. Lord, I pray that in this new season um, that you would really uh, root us deeper in comfort in you, confidence in you, security in you, that we would know what it means to be loved by you and to love you in return because you first loved us. And Lord, I pray that that love, as you continue to bind us to yourself and you bind us to one another, that becomes the springboard that we're talking about that, that gives us permission to boldly explore the, the depths of the life that you've given us. Father, we don't want to waste time. We don't want to hide. Uh, but we want to go, and wherever we go, we take your spirit with us. So, Lord, right now, would you illuminate to each one of us 
What is it that makes us feel safe? And what are the things that we're currently exploring, just so that we can share that with one another? Uh, We just continue to dedicate this time to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So go ahead and come forward when you're ready. One of the beauties about um, just the invitation to this experience is, you know, as we talk about loving community for bold exploration, we acknowledge that this is a relational journey. So we're inviting you to write up here what makes you feel loved because we think it's important for people sitting here today to know how we love one another well. And this idea of exploration, like what is God opening you up to? That we would see the diversity of ways that God is calling us to step out into something deeper so that we can do that well and love one another along the way. So feel free as we sing this song to come forward and write those things on these boards. All right, you can be seated. Um, I think my favorite might be that somebody wrote deep belly laughs for how you feel loved and safe. I echo that sentiment. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is, even, even during worship, I was just thinking about it. You know, it's this, it really is this idea of like when we're boldly loved and when we boldly love. That's the thing that kind of binds us together and it gives us permission for bold exploration. Like if, that, if the love element isn't there, the, the exploration is fruitless. Um, and so what I want us to do kind of in the second portion of what we're talking about here is to talk about what this means for us in a church in a few really practical ways as we're kind of still sitting on um, the advent of this new year. Um, you know, we've talked about it before, but in many ways, like setting new year or new year's resolutions or whatever, it's almost arbitrary. But when you choose into it and you say, yes, like things are going to be different this year. Um, I'm going to, some, to make some adjustments, make some changes. There's a lot of fruit that can really come from that. How many of you have been keeping up with your resolutions? Two people. All right. How many of you even made them? I promised that, uh, it's the same I do every year that I'm never, ever going to be disappointed ever again. And, uh, it's gone great. It's the 29th of January and I have, everything's wonderful. Got in a car accident yesterday. It's fine. doesn't even, it's fine. <laughs> so, um, so what I want to talk about is three challenges that I want to offer you, um, for setting the tone for this year for us as a community, especially entering into this place of loving community. Um, Many of you know I have a background in, in art, and, and a lot of the, the, the degree that I, that I went through and a lot of what I try to teach my students is about, you know, art is really teaching you how to see, okay? That's what art is. Art teaches you how to see in the same way that the orchestra is really teaching you how to listen. And, and I think that it's a really beautiful analogy for what church is. Church is like an art museum, that you go into this manufactured, pristine, beautiful space, and you're confronted with a piece of art that challenges you on how to see. It inspires you, it, it shifts your understanding of something, but something changes in the way that you see. So when you leave the art museum, the hope is that you see the whole world different, right? Have you ever had that experience maybe with a, a beautiful piece of music or you've seen a, uh, a dance piece or a play or a painting and you've left that space, but all of a sudden everything's different. 
I think that's really how church uh, is supposed to be. Now, I think a lot of times, unfortunately, the way we hold church is the way that we um, treat art in our homes. And there is a certain artist out there who I will not name uh, because I have very high standards and I'm a little bit snobbish. That's what an art degree will do to you. Uh, But in St. Augustine, this person had two galleries, one on either side of the street. And it's the kind of art that you buy and you put on the wall so that you don't have to look at it. You know what I mean? Like, we call it kitsch. Like, there's no, there's no real depth to it. There's no real beauty to it. It's like, I did, the, I did the thing. I bought the art, so now, now I can say that I like art. But I don't have to engage with it. It's not moving me. It doesn't challenge me to grow. I'm not, you know, it's like it's very small. And I think a lot of times that's unfortunately the way that we treat church. As we come into church and there's all of these different uh, programs and expectations of what we're supposed to get out of it, um, but it doesn't change us in any way. You know, whether we're talking about um, the sermon or we're talking about the worship or we're talking about the programs that are provided for us, um, and all of those things are good and, and important parts of this, but when we reduce church to just being about that, I'm just, I just need something to, to fulfill my needs, and that's kind of the end of the story. We make church really small. Um, and I think when we make church all about our personal success, when we make it about our quality of life, when we reduce church to just being a social club where we're here to make friends or maybe find our spouse, and even when we, this, when, even when we make church about our personal salvation, that I'm only here so I can get it, go to heaven when I die, um, church bends under the, the pressure of all of those expectations and it buckles and it disappoints us. And it was so interesting, I was listening to a sermon recently and, and, and someone said that they heard time and again what many of us do, well, I'm just not being fed. You know, I'm not being fed by this church. And, and this, this minister's response was, well, are you, are you feeding the church? You see, because we exist in a very uh, upside down, backwards economics in the kingdom where, you know, we are fed when we feed. And this is the kind of principles that Jesus showed for us. And what I want us to do is to recapture what church really is. That church is like that art museum experience where we come together and we experience something amazing, but it changes us that when we leave this place, we take those things with us. So when we see church as the space where we worship God and are in turn formed into the image of Christ, we will see it blossom. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, the worst thing that a church can do is give people what they want. If we, if we just make it about fulfilling people's needs. But if we challenge one another that we come together as the people of God in this space and we worship together, God does something where he binds us together. And the beauty is a lot of the things that we desire, the things that we want, the things that we need, a lot of those do get fulfilled. But it's in this free-flowing exchange of love and devotion to one another. And so I wanna, what I want to challenge you to this morning is we're going to look at three specific things that I think the, the Lord's really calling you as an individual to consider, especially if you consider this church your home. And so the first one is finances. Um, you know, we've, we've talked before about how we need to rescue the realm of our money from this place of shame, that many of us have seen uh, money treated shamelessly in some churches and very shamefully in others. Um, and so it makes us very hard to, for us to have an honest conversation about it. So here's just a couple things as I was um, praying over the Christmas season that I thought were really appropriate for us to examine with finances. Number one is this. When you recognize it's not yours in the first place, 
it's easier to give away. When you and I recognize that everything we have, our finances, our resources, they're not ours in the first place, that they're gifts from God, it's a lot easier for us to see it in its right perspective and to give it away. In Psalm 24, um, David writes this, the earth is the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So everything belongs to God. And when we recognize that, we, we begin to become more open-handed with the resources that God's given us. And we're a little bit more generous in giving those things away. Because what that does is it, it puts us in a posture of humility, that open-handed posture. That um, when we recognize that God gives us these good gifts, we're called to steward them. You know, it's a word that we don't always use all the time. But we're called to steward the gifts that God has given us and to use them specifically to advance his kingdom. And a lot of that means that we sow into our local churches. That this body, this, you are called to sow into this body if you're coming here to be fed. If you're coming here to be in fellowship with one another. If you're coming here to invest. That requires something of your finances as well. I think sometimes we can so over-spiritualize giving that we forget that we're called to give to our local church because there's a lot of things that the Lord wants to do here. And I think when we recognize in that, that humble open-handedness with our finances, it leads us to a deeper place of gratitude. Um, we become more thankful for what God has given us, and we become even more thankful for what God has given us when we see what it does in the lives of other people, when we see what it does in the lives of the community around us. So that kind of brings me to my second point about finances. Giving makes us less selfless and more in the image of a generous God. Selfless people prosper. The really mean way to say this, if you don't give, you're selfish. If you don't give your, your, your finances, your time, the gifts that God's given you, some of you have amazing stories that need to be shared. If you don't give those things, you're being selfish. And so, so much of giving is actually this demonstration by faith that we're willing to be changed and we're willing to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And this is the amazing thing, again, about the economics of God, that when by faith we say yes to do what God's called us to do in being generous and it starts to transform us, we actually prosper. In Proverbs, um, Solomon says this, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. And I love that, that there's something about us becoming more and more selfless as we're crafted into the image of God. The more that we're willing to give of our time and our resources and our finances, that we actually prosper. Because if we've got tight fists and we're holding on to the things that we think we've worked for so hard, there's no space for God to be able to put anything more in that place. You've got everything that you're going to have. It's that spirit of impoverishment. But we recognize that we live in abundance. We become more open-handed. We allow it to flow through us and we see the people around us prosper and we ourselves begin to prosper. Several years ago, we were, we were fundraising for this mission trip that I took some of my students on uh, to Peru. And we had, uh, the, the church had come together and donated some items, and we were doing um, like a yard sale. 
And um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sitting watching this thing go on. People are kind of stopping by. We're in this empty parking lot. And this SUV drives past us, gets about half a block down the road, turns around and comes back. And it just kind of screeches up into the middle of the driveway. And this guy gets out of his car and he kind of stamps over to me and he hands me a check and he goes, here, the Lord told me to give this to you. And he gets back in his car and he trumps off. <laughs> and it was for like $500. It was so funny. It was so funny. Um, but, it, you know, it, it, was, it was really powerful. Like, this guy, he's not, he doesn't, whether he wants to give or not is not even the question. <laughs> right? He's being obedient. He recognizes by faith, not by feeling, maybe not even mentally, that he's called to be generous. And that kind of leads us um, to look at some of our budget stuff, and then it's going to lead us into what we talk about with service. So when you came in, you should have been given um, the, the, the 2017 budget. Did everybody get one of these? If you didn't, um, they're, they're out in the cafe. I encourage you to grab one. Um, so we want to increase our transparency as a church community. Sometimes when we stand up here and we talk uh, very big numbers, it's hard to wrap your head around what exactly we're talking about. And so then it becomes a lot harder to give. Um, or to recognize what you're called to specifically in that. So we wanted to publish uh, a portion of our budget, and you can look over this and see, here's the specific um, categories that when you give, this is what it's going to. Um, so you've kind of got, we've got annual numbers, and then we've got weekly numbers. We've talked before about, you know, our 2016 budget, we were, we were trying to bring in um, $5,200 a week. Um, we, we nailed that the first week of January. I think we were almost at 7,000. The next three weeks, we brought in half of what we were supposed to bring in. Um, half. And, and when that starts to happen, we start to freeze ministry budgets. And then we start to freeze uh, salaries. And then we start to freeze um, being able to, to rent the space. Um, and those seem like big numbers, but really in the comparison for a church our size, I don't think that that's unreasonable. You can see there um, kind of where a lot of the funds for our church go. Now, if you're more interested in finding out, um, you know, kind of line item where these things are going or you have questions about it, you can contact Melissa. Her phone number's at the bottom there. She's our uh, financial person. But um, what we want to do by faith this year is to challenge our community that we're actually going to raise the budget. So we want to move from $5,200 a month, or a week, sorry, uh, to $5,600. And we believe that this falls in line with the philosophy of our community, that God is calling us to do great things in exploration. Um, and, and part of that is for us to be able to sow into our ministries financially. You know, most of our ministries don't have a budget, and they're not able to spend. Uh, and so we want to be able to do that um, so that we can invest more in the life of this community. And we can invest more in what we're all doing together. And I just want to point again to that very bottom line there, just above total expense, where it says benevolence. As a church, we've committed to modeling what this looks like by tithing, by giving away 10% of everything that we bring in. And that's a non-negotiable. No matter if, if salaries get frozen or ministry budgets get frozen or whatever happens, we will never never cut our benevolence because we want to do that by faith. But that's the challenge for you to begin to look into it in that same way. So you can see we plan this year on giving away $29,200. And think about the things that we've been able to do just in the past year in blessing people and how much more that's going to be uh, in the years to come. So I want you to take this home. I want you to pray about this. Uh, and, and we've said many times, you can go to citybeautiful.ch give. And not only can you give 
online one time, but you can set it up for a recurring giving um, so that you can automate that in the same way that maybe you've automated your rent or your phone bill or whatever because it's that important to you, not because you don't care about it. So I want you to take that budget home uh, and pray over that. And then the second kind of announcement related to finances is um, contribution statements have already gone out for last year. So if you gave, thank you. And you should have gotten something in your email or in your mail. And if you didn't, again, please talk to Melissa about that. But I really believe that together, the more that we own this community, and the more that we choose um, to be obedient, to, to be generous, the more that we're going to prosper as individuals and as a community. So everybody breathe. It's okay. It's good. This is exciting stuff. This is us moving forward and growing in maturity. Um, so the first is finances. The second thing is service. Okay, so just two thoughts on service. This is us serving one another with our time and our resources and our gifts. You may not always believe it, but you were created, redeemed, and assigned to serve others. You might not always believe that, but you were created to serve. You were created to give. If you are the image of God, and God is generous, and God is giving of himself, then that's that's in your DNA as well. You know, and a lot of times we think when we give, it's going to cost us and take, take away little bits of who we are until there's nothing left. But again, that's that spirit of impoverishment, that when we step into serving one another, giving of our time and our resources and our energy, we actually recognize that that enlarges who we are. It helps us to grow, to become more than we were when we began on this journey. Um, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God has destined certain things for you to do with your skills and gifts, with your time, with your resources. And before you even entered into this crazy process of following Jesus, he had already determined what those things were going to be. And so we see that, yes, we are saved by God, but we're saved for a purpose, to begin to partner with him to see his kingdom advance. And that call for all of us is so universal, but it's also incredibly specific. And I think that leads me to my second point about service. Obedience almost always precedes joy. Obedience almost always precedes joy. Like in that story I told about the man who very begrudgingly gave us a check, when, but he was being obedient. That a lot of times we want, to, we want to be stoked up into joy. We want the revelation from God. We want the clouds to part and for him to tell us what to do. And we're just so blown away that we're like, yes, okay, now I can be obedient. Now I'm going to give. Now I'm going to serve. And sometimes that does happen. But I bet, I'm willing to bet nine times out of ten, it's precisely when you choose to be obedient regardless of how you feel, when you choose to be obedient regardless of what you think and what you've been rationalizing out, when you choose to be obedient and faithful to do what God is calling you to do, joy is found on the other side of that. And it's through doing that work by faith that God begins to illuminate your heart to how he's wired you. Several years ago, I took a group um, to Houston, and we were working in all of these different ministries there. Um, and we were at this one uh, where we were preparing lunch for, uh, for homeless folks in, the, um, in a park, and we were doing a church service. And one of, my, one of the guys that was on the trip, he ended up playing with these three little kids. They were like 
10, 6, and 4 years old. And he played with them during the, the whole service and, and the food and everything. We were debriefing that night, and he broke down. He said, I never knew that there were homeless children in this country. And many of us, maybe we don't know that. But he, had, he never knew that there were homeless children in this country. And God broke his heart in the best way possible because he stepped into a new situation and was willing to serve. And I think that's what God requires of all of us is to begin to open up and to allow him to lead us into new places and unfamiliar territory. And just to be faithful in that. But the, the more that we're able to serve and to be a light in dark places, the more that God builds up the joy within us. So obedience almost always precedes joy. So one of the things that we're doing as a community uh, to serve is with our local global team that we have several ongoing partnerships that places that we've chose to invest in deeply and to offer our gifts and our skills uh, and our obedience and our joy. And one of those things is that we have this ongoing partnership with this church in Peru. Um, and so we're sending our fourth team down there in this partnership and it's in, in June 21st to 27th. Um, and each trip, the kind of underlying fabric is that we want to continue to encourage our brothers and sisters there and to develop deep relationship with them. Uh, but each trip, we also have like a kind of specific thing that we want to go in and do. The last one was a medical trip. We set up uh, a clinic, and it was phenomenal. We were able to diagnose so many people and the struggles that they're having. We were able to give out some medication, but we also prayed for healing for them. And so this next one is going to be really focused on um, loving and serving the leaders of this church. I have never met people more dedicated uh, to their community than the people at this church in Lima. And so we're going to be sending a team down there uh, June 21st to 27th. The deadline for being able to sign up for that is going to be February 12th. So that's, um, that's in two weeks from now, two Sundays from now. Um, and there's, there's a, a deposit of $100 and there's an application that you can find online when you go to the weekly. And this is such an amazing way for you to get out of your comfort, comfort zone, to be obedient to what God might be calling you to be, and to find this tremendous joy by engaging with new people. Um, so I really want to challenge you guys to pray about whether or not that's what the Lord's calling you to. Now, within our own community, we have a lot of amazing opportunities to serve one another in really practical ways. And so you'll see in the back table there on the right, um, we have all these different cards for our ministries. And it kind of gives the philosophy of what that ministry is all about. Talks a little bit about the kind of people that would really resonate with, um, with putting the hands and feet to that philosophy. And then there's contact information. And I'm already so gratified by how many of you are serving uh, and you've signed up for these teams and you're committing. And I want to say, keep going. But if you're looking for a place to serve, um, we really believe that these are some great opportunities. So after church uh, today, you'll be able to go back and look at those cards. And they're absolutely gorgeous. Speaking of service, uh, Chris Mock designed them, and they are maybe some of his finest work ever. So you're able to go over there, take those cards, um, and take them home and put them on your refrigerator because they're so beautiful. Yay, Chris. So finances, service, and finally, fellowship. So this is the thing that I've been really digging on here. Deep fellowship never happens casually or accidentally. We have to ask for it and steward it. What are we talking about? We talk about fellowship. I think we're pretty good at community. Um, but community and fellowship are, are different. Fellowship is that deep 
intimate, vulnerable connection with one another, when we really love and are devoted to one another, when we let down our masks and our armor, we allow other people to come in uh, to the, the, the tender spaces in our lives and to speak life into it. Fellowship is when we're able to, to peer into the other person's life and to, to call God forth in that place, to call out life. And I think that that's what the Lord's inviting us to in this next season as well, is for us to, be, to move from a community to a fellowship. And I think there's two kinds of people in our community. There's those who have tasted and seen what that depth of relationship and commitment is like and desire more of it. And then there's some of us in here who have never experienced that before. And it's so hard for us to be hungry for something that we've never experienced. And so it's imperative that you and I make the commitment to go deep with one another. In Acts 2, it says this, and this is something we're going to be coming back to time and again in this season. Um, talking about the, the, the first church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you want to know what it looks like to be spirit-led? That's what it looks like that daily people are being added on, that we're committed to one another in fellowship, that we gather around teaching and worship and prayer, that we come to the Lord's table together, that we see signs and wonders, that we grow inwardly and we also grow outwardly. But that begins with you and I being committed to one another in fellowship. And so even considering your own life, who is leading you right now? Who are the people that you're willing to go into the deep end with? You know, it's, it's crazy to me, even for myself as a pastor, how often I feel awkward inviting Jesus into my daily conversation with the people that are closest to me. Isn't that weird? Sometimes we feel awkward, like bringing that into some of the deepest friendships that we have. But we've got to let go of that. We've got to begin to ask for the things that we know that our soul desires. And so it's time for us to put aside our fear or ambivalence of one another and to choose into depth. It's time for us to stop being afraid of each other, guys. It's time for us to stop holding someone at arm's length, of putting on the mask that we've got it all together and we're doing just fine, and to begin to let other people in. And it's time for us to also take that step of faith into the deep end with someone else, to bless them with our perspective, to bless them with our heart, to bless them with what the Lord has revealed in us and through us. We have to let go of this fear that we're going to be found out, that we're going to be judged because of whatever we, we, we put out there. We have to let go of this prejudice that many of us have against one another because we judge each other by some sort of surface dynamic. Who's cool? Who's not cool? Who's young? Who's old? Who's awkward? Who seems to have it together? All of these really shallow ways that we, we judge one another, we have to let go of that because we're missing the giftedness of the other person. Some of the people that have revealed God to me in the most beautiful and dynamic ways are really awkward and weird people. And if one, I had this friend, Roman, um, in Nashville, and he's like built like a refrigerator. He loved hockey. He used to play in this like southern hardcore band, and he's from Alabama. And I was like, first met him, I'm like, nope, got nothing to do with this guy. 
Uh, and we just, we had, but, you know, he was in our community for about six months, and then we had this, we finally had this conversation. He just shared some things that he had been struggling with, and I, I was able to resonate with it, and we were just trying to kind of speak into one another's lives, and, and we really developed this beautiful and deep friendship. Because, you see, outside of the kingdom, all of those things, yeah, they matter. Like your socioeconomic status, and, and your appearance, and your race, and all of these things, yeah, like people totally judge each other by that. But inside the kingdom, all of those dividing walls of hostility come down. And we begin to see the beautiful gift that the other person is. And we don't want to rob ourselves from that gift, even if it comes in a weird and awkward package. And we celebrate that. And I think we need to stand in the gap for one another. Um, many of us are spiritual orphans. We haven't had that older generation speaking into us and giving us life. And so we need to come alongside of one another and to be that encouragement, to parent each other as we're continuing to build a community that's more and more diverse. And so after our gathering this morning, we're going to have some of the, the small group leaders in the back. You know, many of you last week um, were given a sheet and it had all of the small groups that we're launching in this season and the contact information. And so this week, we, some of those people are going to be in the back there. And I want you to engage with them. I want you to hear their heart of why they're stepping forward to offer these small groups that are very specific um, contributions to the larger conversation of our community. Um, but I want to challenge you to commit to something. Commit to something. Commit to a group of people. Find the two or three people that you're already in deep friendship with and this week say, I want more. I want to invite you into the deep places of myself. And I want you to let me into those deep places. I don't want us to be afraid of each other. I don't want us to feel embarrassed for bringing up Jesus in the middle of our conversation. But I believe that when we're able to start doing that, we're going to move from a place of community to fellowship. One final thing for you ladies, the weekend of February 10th, 11th, and 12th is the Worthy Conference. You heard about it last week. And I'm so excited because I think that's an, an opportunity for the women of our community to come together and to go into that deep place with each other. And so if you haven't yet, please sign up for that conference. Go to citybeautiful.ch weekly. Sign up for that. Reserve your place. Um, and let's just see what the Lord wants to do in our community of women. So let's stand up. And let's be that church that when we come together, we worship God. We're formed into the likeness of Jesus. And we leave a little bit more bound together in love um, with that heart of bold exploration. So Heavenly Father, again, I just bless every person here this morning, Lord. I pray that you would challenge each of us to really consider what is our financial giving? What is our, the giving of our gifts and our talents and our time? And how are we welcoming in those people that are sitting right next to us, even as we open ourselves up to them and to seek their depth? Lord, we don't want to be a community of beige. We don't want to be a community of consumers. We don't want to be a community of people that are just kind of drifting through life. We want to be bound together in your love by obedience, by joy, so that we can be your hands and feet and we can see your kingdom advance in this place, in this time. So Lord, we dedicate this worship to you in the strong name of the Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.